Hello, everybody, and welcome to 30 Minute Thrive, your go-to podcast for anything and everything HR, powered by MRA, the Management Association. Looking to stay on top of the ever-changing world of HR? MRA has got you covered. We'll be the first to tell you what's hot and what's not. I'm your host, Sophie Voller, and we are so glad you're here. Now it's time to thrive. Welcome to this episode of 30 Minute Thrive. It is that time again to go over this month's talent report with Jim Morgan, MRA's Vice President of Workforce Strategies. So we'll dive into what he's been seeing this month in the world of business in October. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Jim. Always a pleasure to be here. All right, so let's go over what you're seeing this month. Women have been coming back to the workforce in high quantity. So what's driving this? What's the deal with this? I think there's a couple of things um, going on. Obviously, women have always been in the workforce, uh, but I think post-pandemic, what we're starting to see now is um, women are still the primary child care provider. And so I think they may have been home more or might have been in a profession that allowed them to work from home more. And now everything is sort of leveled out again. Everybody's trying to figure out you know, exactly what they're going to do. But right now we've got women in the workforce or at least looking for a job at 77.8%. That's the highest it's ever been in the United States. So that is, an, is another opportunity, I think, for people you know, to go find folks. Yeah. And that totals 815,000 people this wow. year. So in terms of companies that are trying to say, you know, where is the talent? What is going on? Mm-hmm. We are seeing a little bit of a shift in that uh, women for a whole bunch of different reasons, but I think primarily post-pandemic are coming back into the workforce and in larger numbers than they ever have before. So going into your talent thinking section, you highlighted what was found by the PwC Employer Benefits Perspective Survey on companies wanting their health plans to improve the employee experience overall and really meet the needs of diverse employees over four generations. So where do these employee concerns really lie within benefits? There are a couple of things um, that that really stood out. One was um, this desire for digital healthcare, and mm-hmm. you know we never did telemedicine until the pandemic, and actually found out that that was pretty effective for certain things. There are times when obviously you want to come mm-hmm. and see your doctor, but the opportunity to use digital to use that type of um, technology, mm-hmm. whether that's in telemedicine, uh, whether that's uh, apps on our phone whether that's collecting our own biometrics. I mean, you have wristwatches now that can collect all kinds of different data for us. And then having your data available in such a way that it can move from care provider to care provider. Mm -hmm. You will see my doctor and then I have to go see a pharmacist and maybe have to see a specialist. That it's easy for the employee to say, here's where my information is, you Mm -hmm. will get it. So Mm -hmm. the digitizing of of all of that um, has been a big thing. Um, the second one was employers trying to look at what's the clinical value of whoever their provider is. So if I'm using ABC Healthcare, mm-hmm. how easy is it for me to get to a clinic? Mm-hmm. Um, what's the cost for me to visit the clinic? Mm-hmm. What are their results? Do they have good outcomes from visiting the clinic? So companies being, one, a little bit more critical about what's the value of the investment here? And secondly, how easy is it, how convenient is it for our employees, so that healthcare is not a hassle for them. Yeah, and something you know that they're easily able to do. Mm-hmm. They also are starting to look at what's being called diverse benefits. Yeah. You know, are we unconsciously biased against certain types of benefits that maybe would be good for folks? An obvious one is holidays. 
you know, you may have a company that traditionally was, oh, you get Christmas on. Yep. Well, not everybody celebrates Christmas. And so moving to floating holidays to say, look, you've got two holidays mm -hmm. to celebrate whatever your beliefs might be or just whatever your interests are if there aren't beliefs that you want to handle. So that accommodates, you know, almost everyone. Mm -hmm. Also starting to look at, you know, childcare is something that's a bigger deal. It's very expensive. How do we accommodate some of that? Financial planning. Some people had access to financial planning maybe mm -hmm. more than others. And so how do we sort of level that playing field so all of our employees um, have that sort of opportunity? Yeah. And then lastly, I think looking at the workforce of the future, um, flexible benefits. We'll talk about that a little bit later when we talk about generations. But you want different things than I want for a whole bunch of reasons. <laughs> uh, not just because you're cooler and more than I am, but lifestyle, you know, and yeah. what is it that I'm looking for right now? So being mm -hmm. flexible with what our parents or what our um, employees are looking for. And then on the recognition side, really starting to hear more from companies about how much their employees value, whether it's being recognized for birthdays and anniversaries, for jobs well done, for mm -hmm. projects completed, um, the swag, the lunches, all that stuff matters to people. And it actually matters again to the younger generations for sort of the sense of belonging. So we're seeing more, how do we prepare for that next generation? How do we make sure we're offering the things um, that they truly want? Yeah, looks like HR's got a lot of work on their hands. They do, they always do, they just keep getting more. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some other recent survey results. What were some of your findings this month in terms of C-suite happenings? What are they currently focusing on right now? Yeah, we looked at um, the Fortune Deloitte CEO survey just to see kind of what's going on, and then we've done our own survey data. Um, on the Fortune Deloitte one, one of the interesting things was for the first time in a few years now, um, talent was displaced um, by geopolitics, and that was the number one concern. And it has been talent for as long as we can remember, mm -hmm. but just the things that are going on around the world, whether that's in Israel, whether that's Ukraine and Russia, there's just a lot of um, things up in the air. There's a lot of disruption, and that has caught the attention of, of the CEOs. In looking at their outlook for things, about half of the people in their survey said they think there's a recession coming within the next year. Um, this recession has kind of been six months away for two years now. Mm -hmm. I think everyone's waiting again for that other shoot to yeah. drop, and we keep thinking, well, that might have been it, and that might have been yeah. it, and yet it doesn't quite happen yet. And within our own surveys here at MRA, um, it was amazing the number of companies that were budgeting mm -hmm. from better times next year, but thinking the economy as a whole was still headed for a recession. Mm. So that dichotomy is really interesting that my company is going to do okay, but yeah. the economy is not. And I don't know if that's an upper Midwest thing. Um, we have a kind of a talent shortage here still. And so if people are working, you know, I'm looking like must be good out there. Yeah. But they still think overall that there's this um, potential of a recession on the horizon. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, the whole technology area, technology in general in terms of how do we use it for efficiency? How do we use it maybe for automation and manufacturing? Mm -hmm. How do we use it for better processes and moving things along quicker? And then, you know, the big monster on the block right now, artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for us and companies now scrambling to put together what's our policy on artificial intelligence? How do we make sure our employees know what it is? How do we use it for good and not for evil? 
And that's causing, again, you know, I think HR, because a lot of times they're the keepers of this type of policy on the forefront to say, how are we going to build this? We have people that are already using it, people who probably still don't know what it is, and we've got to kind of give them the guideposts that say, this is where it can be used. This is how we think our company can benefit from this. Here are the cautions and making sure that everybody's sort of up to speed on what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess now's a great time to plug. We do have an upcoming podcast on um, HR technology and using kind of the new innovations in AI and in HR. So stay tuned for that. Um. And, and that's <laughs> great timing on your part because it's really companies trying to figure out AI does these wonderful things, but it's got its own biases, and mm-hmm. occasionally it hallucinates in terms of yep. creating its own information. So I think you know, just the smart money is on use it for things to get you started, but you still got to take a look at it. And you got to know where it came from. You've got to sort of yeah. test it and make sure it's accurate. And I think um, a lot of AI, HR departments are looking mm-hmm. at it now to say, what, where is a good place to use this, and where should we not? Yeah, absolutely. And we're also talking about technology outside of AI because all eyes are on AI right now, but it's like, what else do we need to be aware of right now? So that'll be a good one. Yep. But kind of moving on from your from the field section, you list some key factors that U.S. workers consider when um, considering a company for employment. So what did you find with, like, what were some of those factors that... um, Yeah, this was, um, some of this was from Eagle Hill Consulting, Mm -hmm. and they were looking at Gen Z and millennials primarily to say, you know, what matters to them. Yeah. Um, DEI is big with these two groups, um, bigger than their predecessors. Um, it came up as a key factor in 77% of the Gen Z folks, mm-hmm. 63% for millennials. Um, they grew up in a different world. They're more culturally, I think, aware of what's mm-hmm. going on. They grew up in a more diverse society, certainly, than I did. And so that's important to them. And they're seeing it in their everyday life. They yep. want to see it um, in the workplace as well. With those groups, again, um, things that matter to them around collaboration, safety, a sense of belonging, culture, employee resource groups, all of those are designed really around making them feel at home in their workplace, and that matters to them. And so companies really are taking a hard look at how do we make them feel comfortable here? Mm -hmm. How do we make them want to be here? That's sort of the work-life balance and the remote work that they're looking at trying to making their workplace an attractive place to be. Mm -hmm. Whether that's, let's make it look like a Starbucks and people want to come in, or let's make it look like there are things going on here that are really of interest. So it's not even a decision whether I want to stay home or go to work. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to go in there and see what's going on and still have that option of remote work. So Mm -hmm. how do we make people feel comfortable? How do we make them feel part of the team is really where they're spending um, an awful lot of their time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, kind of continuing that generational conversation, I know this month you featured the topic on building the generational bridge. So do you have any kind of key points that you can summarize from that presentation or conversation in the talent report? Yeah, and where this one came from is we're a couple of years away from the generational tipping point, for lack of a a better set of words. Um, That's when the Gen Zs and the millennials will outnumber the baby boomers and the Gen Xers. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously this always happens. One generation gets yep. older and moves out and a new one comes in. But I think the characteristics of the two younger generations around technology, culture, society is just very different than the two that are, you know, the Xers and the boomers. And so I think that does make a difference. And companies are now having to, to pay a little bit more attention to that 
to say, you know, what does that mean? And a couple of examples that we talked about on the talent report were, you know, what what do you value? So if I think about it from a benefits point of view, and again, going back to what we were just talking about, um, you may be thinking, you know, I've got some student loan debt. I would yeah. like some help in paying back that. It doesn't really matter to me all that much, yeah. but I'm closer to retirement. So how much money do I have in my 401k? Um Neither one of us probably, healthcare may not be the biggest deal for us. Mm -hmm. You could still be on your parents for a couple of more years. Um, I don't have three kids running around that are in their accident years. Yep. So I'm looking for a different healthcare plan than I would have been mm -hmm. 20 years ago. And so how do we get in touch with what our folks are looking for? Because the benefits are a big deal, and I've said it before, it's not a benefit unless I think it's yep. a benefit. And so if right now Netflix is of great value to you, and maybe to everybody across every generation, hey, I want a screen, I want a streaming service. Mm -hmm. That's a relatively cheap benefit, and if people really value that, well, good for us. And what are we offering that? You know what? No one's taking advantage of that, and we're paying good money for that. Maybe we should reevaluate. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a real emphasis right now for companies to really know what's important to their employees. Yep. Try to be a little bit more flexible in their benefits and then providing the things that really matter to them. Mm -hmm. So I think benefits is a big one, and I think there are big differences um, with the different generational groups we've got out. Yeah. Cross-generational teams we spent an awful lot of time on, and companies consciously trying to say, you know what, if you and I are on the same team, mm -hmm. we're going to bring very different perspectives yep. than if it's five people who look like me or five people who look like you. And I can quickly stereotype, okay, well, I've got more experience. I've probably seen more things. We've tried these different things. I know what worked and what didn't work. And so I can bring that. Yep. You can bring a whole new perspective. You can bring probably some technology that I've never heard of. I might say we tried to do that before and you'll be in a position to say, yeah, but did you try it this way? Yeah. And so the benefits of bringing together different groups of people, um, one, it's a great way to build team within the organization. It breaks down some stereotypes. Mm -hmm. The more that I get to know you, the smarter I see you are. Don't sort of can't, oh yeah, 23-year-old kid thinks she knows everything. Well, she does know stuff. Mm -hmm. And by working with you, that's how I begin to find that out. And you can look at me like, oh God, this guy's a dinosaur. He'll never bring any new idea to the table. And you might find out, no, I've, I've got a couple. So there are benefits to that. Then there's mm -hmm. the managing of it and how we look at work, when we work, how we work, you know, yeah. making sure you know the team members that I might like to, I don't know, I, I need to be out by yeah. three o'clock on Wednesdays because I've got some group I go to. Yeah. You are a big biker and Friday afternoons are your biking time, you know, yeah. little things like that that just say, okay, let me know my people and mm -hmm. then I know the best time to maybe get this group with diverse interests together. Yeah. And then, you know, I think looking out for the potential roadblocks, the, yep, we've got stereotypes, we've got to break through some of those things, um, the challenges of biases that are out there, communications might be different, the technology might be different, so how are we going to communicate with each other? Mm -hmm. But then in the end, you know, we do start seeing, um, using the even reverse mentoring to say, what can I learn from Sophie? Mm -hmm. And that's not a way that usually if the two of us showed up, you could ask the vast majority, okay, who's mentoring who? Um, traditionally it'd be, okay, I'll mentor Sophie, mm -hmm. but what does Sophie have for me? You know, how can Sophie help me better understand social media so I can better promote some of the things that I'm doing? What has Sophie learned as a more recent graduate from college 
of how people are using some of the things differently that I might be working with every day. How can she teach me how to use TikTok to promote my videos and, you know, the speeches that yeah. I'm giving? So, you know, two ways. I'm happy to share yeah. what I know, but I have to be open then to learning a little bit more about, you know, what it is that you know. So I think it was really um, talking about all the different things that we bring to the table and how do you get those generations to utilize the skills that each one's got. Mm -hmm. It's a issue that's as old as time, yeah. but I think it's even bigger now and we've got more opportunities. Mm -hmm. That bridge is a, a big one to cross right yeah, now. Absolutely. Well, I hope I can be a reverse mentor for you, Jim. <laughs> Thank you. Play. Well, and I have to bring up your quote too, your quote of the month as it relates to this. Times of rapid technological or social change divide generations. Right now we have both. So can you explain why you chose this quote for this month? If you take the technology part out of it, let me just start with the social part. If you think of the last few generations, you know, my grandparents' race was pretty much segregated. Mm -hmm. And with my parents, they started to see some of the integration. There was um, women's rights. There were people of color's rights. Then my generation, there were protests and, you know, early on assassinations. And it was very, um, very much turmoil. And then you start moving into generations that are growing up together. We have different social issues now. Mm -hmm. um, we have Black Lives Matter. So, you know, things just keep changing in that social yeah. world as we evolve and hopefully try to get better. Mm -hmm. Then you throw in the technology besides that. And that's the part I think that had never been there. Social really changes the way we do things. And now technology in the last two generations and even just the last generation, it changed everything. The way that we communicate, um, the way that we go out and see people, you throw a pandemic in there. We all learned how to do um, Zoom and video and everything else. And you combine those two things and all of a sudden people have access to all this information. They have the ability to communicate in a hundred different ways. And you have all of these social issues at play. Um, it really is another it's another place where it can either divide us or bring us together. Mm -hmm. And so I can either have my views on social issues and yours are a couple of generations later. And I have my ability to manipulate technology and you're two generations yeah. later. You can see how that would drive things yep. further apart. Mm -hmm. And so that was, I, I've heard that on a webinar and I just thought, you know, when you put those things together, that has the potential to really separate everybody. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if you'd forget, it has a chance to bring us together. How do you manage both at the same time? Exactly right. Well, this month in charts, you included some data around MRA's 2023 Compensation Trends Survey and webinar, as well as data from MRA's 2023 National IT and Engineering Survey. So can you explain what was shown in all of the charts and graphs that were on the talent report? I'll take an hour-long seminar and put it into two minutes here for you. Go take a look at the talent report if you haven't. <laughs> then you'll understand. You know, I would say, you know, the biggies were, as everybody expected, um, this, the total overall compensation was a little above 4%. Yep. You know, for those who have filed this forever, it was 3%, 3%, maybe 2.9, maybe 3.1. Mm -hmm. Last year, we went over 4. This year, you know, over 4. I'm guessing next year will probably be close to 4, but I think it might settle down a little bit. But over 4% was sort of the comp trend mm -hmm. um, for the general population. The engineering was a little bit higher, engineering and industrial, you know, high level. Um, those folks are getting harder and harder to come by. And so that drove that um, a little bit. Probably we spent the most time talking about pay transparency, that being driven by a couple of things. One, younger generations that 
are a little more open with their pay and their benefits. You know, they find, hey, I'm going to make $62,000. And next thing you know, it's posted on four different social media platforms mm-hmm. that everybody knows. Whereas a few generations ago, it was like, don't tell anybody. Yeah. So that's happening. There's now some legislation that's out there that's starting to um, tell employers you need to release pay ranges or you need mm-hmm. to you know, be able to explain all that. So we're not there right now by our own employer's um, survey results that most of them are at a level where they hope their employees can understand how to read their paycheck and know what the deductions are. Mm-hmm. So we're quite a ways away from, does everyone know their pay range? Do they know where they fall in it? Do they know your pay philosophy? And so how do companies move if this legislation continues to roll and it's out already in some states, some municipalities, cities, and counties have put it in place? How do you begin to explain compensation to the average employee so mm-hmm. they understand your philosophy, they understand ranges? Because the first instinct will be, if you tell me I'm at 90% of my range, I'll be, what are you talking about? I'm way better than average. I should be at 110% and trying to explain what the data is for compensation. So I think... Um, that's going to be a, a big one. And I think you're going to see more and more companies talking about pay transparency, where they yep. want to fall in that, and keeping an eye on state houses and federal um, issues to see what other legislation may pass in the future. Mm-hmm. I actually know a friend who they're looking for a job, and as they're scrolling through job openings, they won't even look at the jobs that don't list the salary or the salary range. So I guess, yeah, that is a big deal. And Yeah, and, and you get some of the services out that are out there, some are much better than others, but somebody in one of our roundtables said, yeah, there was a job and the pay range was fifty to $300,000. Oh, gosh. Like, All right, well. Where do I fall? I don't know how to cover it, you know. So that's not real helpful either. Yep. Uh, yeah. So you're going to be up against... All the data that's out there, all the different organizations that are putting it out, some are very good, yep. some are not so good. But as an employee now, one of the examples we used in ComTrends was they can go into Chat GPT mm-hmm. or they can go into some other artificial intelligence and say, I'm 42 years old, I have 15 years of experience, I have a degree in engineering, I'm in Shawano, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and I want to know how much money I should make. Yeah. And it's going to give them an answer, whether it's mm-hmm. good, bad, or indifferent. But they're looking at it like, well, artificial intelligence told me what yeah. I should make. And they walk into HR. And so now HR is up against artificial intelligence plus other people's survey results, plus people taking data from New York City and comparing it to Shawano, Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, so that's just another area where the human resources people really have to themselves be prepared with data and information. Mm-hmm. But now I have to start educating their hiring managers so they, too, can answer some of those questions when their staff members come to them. Right. right. So there's another thing on the plate. Just another thing. Well, as we wrap up here, always got to ask, can you give us a sneak peek on what November's talent report will be the topic? Yeah, we're going to talk about talent strategies. And I know we've talked about that a thousand times, but we're going to try to take a little bit different look at it and look out to the future a little bit and say, you know, what are innovative companies doing to attract and retain and what does the future of work look like a little bit? And so as companies, we're starting to make some adjustments in whether that's work-life balance, remote work, benefits, all that type of stuff. What are innovative companies doing to make sure that they're going to have the talent supply chain they need? Gotcha. Well, you heard them. You got to tune in for it. <laughs> well, Jim, thank you again for the recap on this month's talent report. I appreciate it. And to our listeners, if you liked our chat and you liked the topic today, I would urge you to comment the most valuable piece of information that you learned today or any current trends or topics that you've been seeing this month in the HR world. 
Don't forget to share out the episode and consider joining MRA if you aren't a member already. We have all the resources you need in the show notes below, including resources on this month's talent report. Otherwise, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week. And that wraps up our content for this episode. Be sure to reference the show notes where you can sign up to connect for more podcast updates. Check out other MRA episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, make sure to follow MRA's 30-Minute Thrive so you don't miss out. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next Wednesday to carry on the HR conversation.